Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Narrative Dissonance on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, April 18th. It's tax day. So uh, this is the day where you verify to your thugs how much of your lunch money they're taking. Um, my name's Carter. You're watching Narrative Dissonance, which is a show where we question the mainstream narrative. Um, you can always watch us at unsafespace.com. That's where we recommend you watch us. We have uh, embedded live stream there and all of our old episodes there. But if you want to be on YouTube, Odyssey, Utreon, Rumble, maybe somewhere else I'm forgetting, we're all those places as well. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. Don't forget to share this with a friend. If you like any of the content we do on Unsafe Space, please just go hit the subscribe button, share it with a friend. You can share it secretly. It's okay. You don't have to do it publicly. Uh, and one last reminder before we start, um, our book club, our next book for book club is uh, the book club will be hosted by Thomas St. Thomas, who was just on Token Minority Report last Friday. And uh, the book is the Gulag Archipelago, the abridged version, which actually isn't that bad. I was very intimidated because the full set of Gulag Archipelago is huge. Um, and uh, and I was a little bit over intimidated, but the abridged version actually isn't that bad isn't that long um, and it's easy to read. So you still have time to read it before May 1st. And I think that will be an excellent discussion, partly because it's just an excellent, excellent, insightful and chilling book. All right, on with the show. So today we've got two panelists. Um, one of them is new to the show. You haven't seen him before. We'll introduce him first. His name is John Sullivan. He was born and raised in North Central Florida and found himself orphaned by the time he was 11, uh, which is just heartbreaking. Facing down poverty and abuse, Mr. Sullivan made a decision at a young age to turn his life over to knowledge. Now as an adult, he shares his unique perspective on poverty, race, and the political regimes of our time. He's currently a staff writer at Wrong Speak Publishing. You can follow him on Twitter at MrSullivan96. That's MRSullivan96. Welcome, John. Hi, Eric. Nice to hear from you, brother. Nice to be on. Good, good to good to have you. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And our second guest is someone you guys will all recognize. It's some bitch I know, L, aka L. Uh, many of you know her as the relentless researcher behind Some Bitch Media and the personification of its tagline: "Cite your sources or get the f out." She's helped explode mainstream narratives around the coup, the 2020 election, Jeffrey Epstein, and Jelaine Maxwell, and other issues. <laughs> You've seen her on Unsafe Space before and around the interwebs. You can follow Ron Gab at some bitch I know. L, welcome. Surprise. It's me. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I never have a good way to introduce myself. So, surprise work. That's, that's as Jazz good as hands. any. Ah. Thanks for um, that very kind introduction. Happy to be here. Good, good old Mondays. Um, it was okay. Honestly, it was. Uh, uh, There's just a dog going on. That's okay. It, hey, dogs have a lot to say, you know. Uh, it was it was a good weekend. Uh, it was restful. Um, played some Elden Ring. Still suck at that game. And uh, had my Easter dog lunch. One moment. I'm gonna go. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Okay. I said bark. Uh, <laughs> and uh, had some. Uh, spent Easter with my family yesterday, so it was a good time overall. Good, good. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um... I bagged up a bunch of clothes to take to uh, the, you know, to donate, and I still haven't done that yet. So anybody who is uh, who's like me, who 
decides that they're going to donate a bunch of clothes and then drives around it with it in the trunk of their car for the next like three months. I'm currently in the driving around with it in the trunk of my car face. So I do that all the time. It's a a step in the right direction at least, but (laughs) it's like, yeah, but I do that all the time. And you guys have this problem where you are in the Bay area. (laughs) You can go to a Goodwill and they'll say like, Oh, we're not taking clothes donations now. And you have to wait for them to say yes. So you drive around and you stop by every few weeks in your car. And eventually they'll be like, yes, right now we're taking donations. It's like, all right, thanks. Well, you know, once it's out of my house, even if it's in the car, I feel like I've already made a good step. There are, there are a few different shelters around uh, my area that I like. One of which actually supports, like, uh, it's a men's shelter, which... Uh, Unusual. It's unusual, why? which is why I like to this is why I like to support them. Uh, but otherwise, there's a place where you can just go dump them in like a, a like a drop box. For the, I don't, I'm sure it all ends up in a landfill, anyways. But it makes me feel better that at least there's potentially the chance for <laughs> the stuff to be taken in. But anyways, uh, that's not a very exciting thing. But that's that's been my weekend. That's okay. Elden um, Ring and donating clothes. Well. Uh... <laughs> Someone in chat says you're okay at Elden Ring. I don't even know what Elden Ring is, so it, it like is an it is a game where you run around and you try to stab stuff with swords and stuff and whatnot. It's it's I'm terrible at it actually. But she, she she's giving you fun. a nice description. It's depression. It's depression. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just dying a lot over and over again. To I see a lot okay. of really big enemies. Have you ever heard of Dark That's... Souls? No. Uh, I never played a, it. It's a game series by the same company. They're ultra aggressive, and that's their whole their whole shtick is they're really hard to beat. Yeah, I so I, I skipped the entire tutorial at the beginning because I didn't realize that it was a tutorial, and so I ran out into the overworld and promptly got curb stomped like a bunch. And I was about to rage quit. I was playing on stream, so it wasn't a good look. You know, wasn't my my best moment because I was looking quite a. Uh, annoyed and then someone's like you skipped the tutorial and that kind of helped but i still have died a lot so good times <laughs> oh sounds like every game i play i die a lot oh, yeah. all right so let's, let's jump into something unvideo not related to video games or maybe it is i don't know um maybe since l you've been here already we'll we'll put john in the hot seat first all right um what's the most important story john about which the mainstream media has been misleading people in the last week what do you think they've been misleading people Oh, it, it has to be Ukraine. It has to be this entire war in Ukraine. I mean, that's the most important, but that's the that's the clear one at the front. Um, I think the Twitter issue has also been very misleading. You, uh, John Froze. Oh, he's back. <laughs> he's intermittent. What's Sorry. misleading about the Twitter story uh they're focusing on musk versus board but they aren't paying attention to all the other buyers that are beginning to rumble around the issue there are saudi arabians who are interested in the company there are a few other americans that are interested in the company it could drive the price up a lot and i'm not sure that this will result in actually buying the company i think twitter might just become more powerful that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, that doesn't sound good, John. Uh, it never does, but <laughs> feels like the reality. 
He so offered up do you forty-two think, billion. Yeah, he 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 did, but um, so this is interesting. Twitter's actually not that valuable. I mean, he he his offer was a premium, a substantial premium to the value of the company, which isn't unusual to do. Um, I think in in takeover world, that's called a bear hug, right? Where you you give them a a price that's just you know it should be big enough that they can't avoid giving it to shareholders and then shareholders are like yeah this is this is great and and you basically can't get you can't get out but um i think we're seeing the difference between how people like a lot of people complain about capitalism being about money and shareholders just caring about money but i think what we're seeing is both on Elon's side and also on the dark side, uh, that this isn't really about money for them. They don't care how overvalued it is. They don't want to lose control of the narrative, and that's why you're seeing um, that's why you're seeing people like that Saudi. Uh, I guess he's technically he's royalty, um, but he's like a low uh, Al Walid bin Talal. He runs a fund um, and Vanguard. And a bunch of people like that. That's why you see them uh, rejecting this, not be, not for financial reasons, but for, I guess, woke reasons. Maybe power is the accurate answer. It, if you look at Blackguard and, or not Blackguard, uh, Blackgate and Black Vanguard's Rock. finance, Blackrock, sorry. BlackRock yeah. and Vanguard's finances, they're invested in a number of other companies. If you control such a major legitimate social media platform, because Facebook's really not considered legitimate anymore, you can post anything on Facebook and no one considers that to be factual anymore. But you pull tweets, tweets are cited in news reports all the time. You see it from CNN. Uh oh. Did you cut out for you too? Yeah, he did cut out for me, but he's okay. back. He's <laughs> once in a while, uh, mm. once in a while, the over tech overlords just mute him. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think you're back. You're saying They're you're seeing you. Twitter get cited in CNN and other articles and stuff. They're used as a legitimate news source for everything, every type of news media out there. Whereas Facebook, Instagram, these other platforms don't have that power. So a company that's invested so broadly being able to use that power they can boost any of the other companies they own or they can tank a rival company in the same process i just thought of this make sure we look it up unless you guys know vanguard i assume owns a bunch of pfizer shares right yeah. i don't know off the top of my head i could back check for you if you'd like i'm gonna i'm just looking up uh vanguard group no, is currently the largest do. shareholder with 8.1 percent of shares outstanding so vanguard is a larger sh large shareholder of twitter and they're a large shareholder of Pfizer. So Twitter is like, it's like controlling the platform that will control the narrative that will affect your portfolio. That's just one example of a company that they own. But Well, to, well, to play devil's advocate here, I mean, BlackRock uh, controls over $7 trillion worth of assets, trillion with a T. So right. the amount of things that they're going to be involved in is a lot more widespread than just a few different companies. I mean, it's, it's just about damn near True. everything. So you're, you're going to have investments in pharma. You're going to have investments in, uh, in social media and, and communications platforms. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good thing, but I'm sure, I'm sure they've got 
assets and all sorts of manner of things that, you know, we could sit here and draw a, a Venn diagram all day, but it just ended up being a circle <laughs> of just all the things yeah. are involved No, in. that's a good point. They, they do have a, they have, they have the largest portfolio. They control yes. the most money. Trillion, um, seven of them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a good, that's a good point. However, let me play devil's devil's advocate. <laughs> let me play oh. angel's advocate back at you, which Uno, is. Erno reverse card me right here. I like it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you do have seven trillion dollars in assets, mm. um, wouldn't wouldn't you care a lot about narratives that could affect the value of your assets? And wouldn't you make sure that the that for example, if you had a large percentage of Twitter and sat on the board, wouldn't you wouldn't it be a priority to make sure that the narrative wasn't hurting any of your other businesses? Your well, main investments. I mean, that was the whole point uh, that was made uh, the other day. I can't remember who it was who who originally kind of posted the uh, the discovery that uh, the majority of the board members, other than Jack Dorsey, who is leaving the board next month, I think Jack owns about two point three percent of Twitter, and the rest of them own, I think, collectively a little over seventy shares, like in total. So they're not really financially tied to the decisions they're making uh, about uh, Twitter. Uh, on the board there. But also I think that to reverse Uno, your Uno reverse, <laughs> when you manage assets worth $7 trillion, whereas, you know, if, if when I get canceled, uh, it, it affects my income significantly immediately uh, when something goes poorly for someone who, or well, an entity that controls $7 trillion worth of assets. So that's just the name of the game. You're going to have appreciating and depreciating assets constantly. Uh, I don't like uh, uh, Twitter is, is, is nothing on the grand scheme of things. It's, it's absolutely nothing for, for uh, BlackRock and Vanguard. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's literally nothing. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that monetarily. I don't know that I I still don't know if I agree that it's nothing for them from well, it, it's, our it's, perspective. Oh, for sure. But it's but as far as like actually like financially hurting them, there there's really no such thing. Oh yeah, no, they don't care about finance. They the, the value could triple and they would be happy or or cut in half and they would be happy. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The poison pill. Which kind of brings up uh which brings up Musk's offer, it won't matter how much he actually offers, they will always be opposed to it because the other offers them will be greater than any financial incentive that they'll gain from it. There are times where people have reported it doesn't run profitably within the actual company, but that really doesn't matter to any of the investors. You look at the NBA, the NBA is always whether you have 10 million people talking about it at any time. If you can have any platform that garners 10 million people in discussion, that's an endless amount of power at any given time. You can accomplish a lot of things. We see what Joe Rogan does with 12 million viewers on, with his shows, and they immediately attempt to take him down anytime he brings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're also seeing, um, you're also seeing like I find this fast here. I'm gonna share I'm gonna share this article with you. Cause I just saw this this morning and it was like the the man, they're 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 showing their hands at this point. They're they're so they've they've stopped pretending. Um so 
suddenly they're upset about one person. Hey, the amount of data Elon Musk would have access to if he privatized Twitter cannot be compared to anything that has ever existed. Report. So this is, I mean, we're already in a world where Alphabet owns like everything piece of information. If you add sure. uh, Alphabet, Zuckerberg, I mean, t- Twitter's nothing. <laughs> they own a hell of a lot of information. And we're also in an era where Bezos owns the Washington Post. Let's not forget that. Um, and but suddenly the Washington, they're but crying. But the Washington Post said, Carter, the Washington Post said that the fact that his money bought the Washington Post, it, do- it doesn't affect the things that they write about. Okay. Oh, they fact check oh, that. I, I withdraw. So this is this is this is fake news, sir. Okay. Oh, oh, I see. Get it, get it right. This, this is a false narrative. Sorry. Yes, exactly. This is this is very dangerous to our democracy for you to even suggest that, Carter. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't believe I fell for that. Yeah. Uh, if they yeah. say, then yeah, I mean, so yeah, so this is the kind of headlines we're seeing now, and we're seeing these people. You know, it's always this kind of crap, right? Where they're like. They find some dude, and you know, maybe there's probably a bunch of dudes like this, but they find a private some privacy experts. Okay, so we we found some privacy experts who don't like it, uh, including some dude from Harvard. It's a disaster for user privacy. The former professor and author of The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, Shoshana Zuboff, said huge ad revenue and unregulated data collection about user behavior have changed the social media industry, which now holds incredible sway over real world events. That's true. That's true. I don't understand how a board of people is a lot different than a guy. Um, like it, it isn't. But apparently, it is to them. Yeah, because content on social media like platforms a... can influence public opinion and lead to change behavior. She said the people in control of the sites have a tremendous amount of power. Yes, that's why he's offering to buy Twitter because they've been misusing this power. Sorry, I, I think I Ma- Max Boot's response to it. I've actually got it pulled oh, up here God. somewhere. I, I Max Boot, <laughs> have you? Did you see what he had to say? Where he yeah, just go said, ahead and put it up and, if you have it, though. I, I have. To, I'll have to pull it up. But he just essentially said, in order to, uh, <laughs> in order to protect our democracy, capital O, capital D, you know, everything's dangerous, yeah. or, or uh, that that we need uh, more control not less and i've got it right here just one second i actually have a i have a uh, i think i saw that tweet i have a collection I got it. I got of, of responses they're so good I, I i've got a response from mark andreessen and he deleted his response but it was a stellar response i don't know why he deleted it he didn't want to be a wrong thinker here let me uh, unless you have it i've got it right here. i don't have it uh, yeah if you got it all right uh i have the i have um i don't understand in I don't understand in any way how a private company access to that information could in any way more dangerous than the fact that the government has been surveilling us all for so long and they have actual power over everyone. <laughs> it's like it, Edward Snowden never happened. Edward Snowden. No, no. It really is. Nobody was executed. No, Nobody was tried for that. Nobody hung. Nothing. But they violated the constitution severely and just rolled on with it i'm having a real hard time understanding yeah, you keep breaking john. up john you keep breaking up i don't know what's going on check your internet connection but i think what john was saying was nothing ever happened as a result of student leaks well max boot 
Uh, for those of y'all who are not aware, Max Boot was part of a little project that went on in 2020 pre-election uh, called the Transition Integrity Project, which was headed up by people like Donna Brazil, uh, Max Boot, Rosa Brooks. Uh, oh, gosh, I can't even think of his name right now. The evil Hillary Clinton's uh, t Podesta, John Podesta, all no. sorts of manner people. And they uh, it, it was about 18 people in total. It was called the Transition Integrity Project. Also, Jeffrey Tubin, you know, the guy who, you know, uh, got caught masturbating on a Zoom call right around the same time as a lot of reports started uh, coming out about the Transition Integrity Project. Uh, yours truly writing about it, uh, in addition to quite a few other people, where they were gaming out different election scenarios uh, for 2020 and what they would do in the case of a narrow Trump win, a large Trump victory, and, and vice versa for Biden. And some of the solutions that they came up with, and again, these are some of like the key movers and shakers of like the, it was supposed to be a nonpartisan uh, organization, like a, effort, but really it, it was 100% like a very like progressive, like left uh, group of people. And uh, one, of, one of the options was if, if Trump won for Biden to basically balkanize and claim uh, <laughs> claim like dominion over like California, Oregon, Washington state, mm -hmm. uh, push for DC statehood and Puerto Rican statehood and to like basically exist within like two different Americas, which I kind of like think that would have been pretty cool if that happened that wouldn't awesome. be awesome yeah. yeah i wouldn't be mad about it to be honest i'm sorry that you'd have to live in like new biden fornia or whatever but uh, but that was mike uh, max Boot was a part of that he is honestly one of the most he flies under the radar quite a bit a lot of people just kind of dunk on him for his you know absolutely inane tweets and and hot takes that he that he puts out there but like this man is so entrenched in like the real establishment nitty gritty you know swamp so to speak and I, I feel like it's never highlighted enough but uh he seems to believe that on social media anything goes for democracies for democracy to survive we need more content moderation not less <laughs> i like that is just one of the most just mind-bogglingly contradictory statements i've ever read and again i i don't i don't think elon musk is a hero but I am 100% embracing the chaos that is being brought about by his uh, attempt to buy out Twitter. Uh, and I'm enjoying seeing all of the responses. And this is 100% uh, just, it went into the Hall of Fame. I've got my big, you know, database of just hot takes from people from over the years and, and had a lot. They got added just the other day. Uh, Do you have an and, entire and Max Boot chapter? Um, I, I, you know, Max Boot is in there. Let me see how many times he's in there. I can pull it up really quick for you. Uh, it just, it gets better with time, you know, as I add more people to it and I add more takes in there. Uh, it just, it gets better over time. I have from Max, I have uh, six okay. things that he said over time. Uh, I started working on this starting kind of middle of last year. So it's, it's again, as, as new things are brought to light or as I kind of go back through old troves, it's, it's, I can search through it by name, uh, subject, time of uh you know date or, or topic and then i have a place for the actual archive itself because i don't trust anybody to just leave things up forever anymore things are deleted almost immediately so i have the archive and then debunks and rebuttals and responses and whatever it's you know it maybe it's too much but it's great for me and i enjoy it but max boot is he's one to watch for sure but i think i think the argument that people are making about elon musk uh, having access to a significant amount of personal user data uh, is so disingenuous because when you really think about Tesla, uh, you know, 
maybe maybe you've heard of it. Uh, when you think about Tesla and the amount of data that is collected on drivers on a constant basis, the amount of surveillance that is involved in driverless or well, I mean, not quite fully driverless all the time yet, but that that's really one of the big like valuations of Tesla is not necessarily the the driverless uh, vehicle technology because there's companies like Waymo and uh, Zooks and quite a few others that are well, they're actually significantly further ahead in the uh, autonomous vehicle uh, technology race. I mean, Zooks is probably one of the furthest along, but they get talked about the least. But Tesla already has cars in the market, is already collecting data. The amount of data they have, that they're privy to of their uh, of their customer base is so significant. And if you're going to raise alarms about anything, it should be something like that. Uh, the surveillance state that's being slowly uh, implemented uh, via like the uh, the adoption of full electric uh, vehicles and and all of the uh, surveillance technology that goes along with that but you know a database of people's phone numbers and emails that they uh, you know burner phone numbers and old emails that no one ever checks anymore i mean truly well it's a little more than that too. if you uh it's a little more than that too all of the cameras on the tesla as well they have a camera on every side for the self-driving functions that's how it oh functions. i know that's what i'm and saying for it, all of that footage there's so much data I know that's what I'm saying, but no, but it, it's a very disingenuous argument. Again, I don't think Elon's a hero. Uh, I, in fact, uh, am quite wary of him. I'm a, I'm very wary of his ideas of of abundance and of AI and bringing about the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, I'm very concerned with Starlink and Neuralink and a lot of other things. I don't think he's a hero. I'm embracing the chaos though. But if we're gonna be making arguments about Elon's access to personal uh, data and, and encroaching on privacy, uh, one would think that that sort of argument would already be being made about Tesla, but it's not because that's something that the government wants. Um, well, and it's among it's, other institutions, of course, but I'm just a crazy internet person. So by all means disagree if you'd like. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree that this, it, they cherry pick what they complain about. Look, they're complaining about this because they think that it will resonate with some people who like Elon, right? They think that, oh, what if we bring up the privacy thing? Um, but they didn't, you know, they don't bring it up for anything else. As you point out, they don't bring it up for Tesla. They don't bring it up for anything else. They didn't, they didn't mention like, hey, it's a problem that this small group of people at Twitter have all this data. Like suddenly now it's just a problem that it's, like once or twice Elon's a year, famous. once or twice a year, there's a massive database hack at Twitter regardless. That, that happened okay. at least within the last year where all of the verified accounts had to be shut down for about 24 hours because they were all posting Bitcoin links yep. and people transferred a bunch of Bitcoin that got stolen. I mean, that happened on Twitter. I remember yeah. the unverified days. I think I think it like actually involved Elon, actually. It was amazing. I think. And it, someone had, yeah, yeah like, his account did. Yeah, and, and yeah. then someone sent it Bitcoin, and he's like, no, that wasn't me. Sorry, bro. Basically, I, I want to say it was I'm one of the first accounts they got. Still. But Probably. The, the, the amount of pretending like people are, are, are guardians and champions of your personal data and privacy is, is laughable at best and, and uh, evil and disingenuous at worst, you know? So, well, I think we're all about. a little guilty of that. Uh what would be the right word that when, when, when you 
idolize somebody that way. I think oh. we're all a little guilty of that notion where we idolize somebody so much we can't actually picture them doing wrong to um recently Trump talked about how if he was still president the Ukraine situation wouldn't be happening right now. That's not really realistic though. Trump took money from the same defense contractors that he did and in the same amount. The three biggest defense contractors in the country, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin and uh I want to say it was Boeing, donated to the Biden and Sanders campaign in an equal amount to the fucking. They were going to pay the people the same amount no matter what. And no mm. one's really willing to doubt that he would have sold us out. But at the same time, he, he's entered the political game. He has billions of dollars. What does he have that's so virtuous that says he won't turn his back on us and won't betray us the way everyone else has? I mean, I, I will say I don't I I don't think Elon's a savior. And I do think that one thing that's happening as we get uh, as people become more anxious and under stress as the empire starts to collapse, um, it's comforting to feel like there's a savior. You want to look for someone like and people did it with Trump. Oh, this guy will fix everything. And now people are doing with Elon. I'm like, oh, Elon mm -hmm. will fix it. Elon will fix it. That he's going to be our savior. And. I, you know, I, I have a little bit more positive view of Elon than L does um, in that, like, I do think there are heroic things about Elon and I like him. I've, I've grown to like him more over the past few years. Um, you know, I, I get that he's he wants to do Neuralink and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, that's cool. But I I, I like him. So I, and I would call him heroic for for his success in business. But I, I would be cautious to think that. He's our savior. I mean, he certainly says nice things about free speech, which is more than a lot of billionaires do. And he he makes move like he's making moves in apparently the right direction, uh, which is more than most elites do. But he's not going to be our even if this all went. It's through, a pretty low savior. bar, right? Right. To be fair, yes, it is a low bar, right. and. and but I, I think the issue is no one wants to believe that there's no one coming. No one wants sure. to believe that, like, actually, there is no savior. You are going to have to suck it up and save yourself and your loved ones and, like, actually do something moving forward to move the culture in the direction that you want. Everyone wants this to just be like, oh, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to keep watching my Netflix and Amazon and whatever and doing whatever. I don't want to pay attention. Who's – oh, Trump will fix it. Oh, no, Elon will fix it. Oh, Ron DeSantis will fix it or whoever. They want to just let let someone be their savior. Um and I think therein lies the problem because that's not a very American way to look at your life. It's it's actually. really not. And I think a large part of it is we have conflated some of the ideals that are the foundation of the free market and capitalism with some of the ideals that communism propagates. A lot of people think that working for one another, helping each other, actually coming together the community to solve the issues is just an example of communism, but it's really not. If we want to make changes in capitalism, the best way to do that is to practice morality in our purchases. Stop buying goods that are made in China. Stop watching movies that are made by companies that make movies in China. Stop 
purchasing the things that support the people that are oppressing us to begin with. And that's a hard thing to do, but it's something that if the community as a whole doesn't come together to do, it doesn't make a difference. If a thousand people do it, it doesn't make a change. It has to be tens of thousands, millions of people have to actually put in the effort. And that involves coming together as a community and saying, we need to work together because we have something in common. And this is an issue that we need to address with the people who are controlling our community right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me read a super chat quickly while we we have it up because I don't want to I don't want to miss super it. Chat. I know, I know, but uh, it it is related. It says Twitter has. It says from Johnny Boy Quick Draw. He says Twitter has become the de facto public commons where corporate entities go to get their marching orders from the mob. Control of it translates into socio political power far beyond its stock value. He, he has. I wouldn't there. disagree with that. I don't think anyone would disagree with that here, right? Honestly, I feel like Twitter might be purposely undervalued in that aspect by some individuals. They want to admit just how much money it's worth. Well, Twitter is becoming Twitter is becoming a bit dated of a platform, to be quite honest. Uh, there, not many younger people uh, are are embracing Twitter quite the way I, I would say. Like people who are in like their like mid to late twenties and up are the ones who use Twitter the most. I'd say it's mostly people in their 30s and 40s and up. Uh, the younger people are on TikTok more. They even, like, uh, Gen Z it widely kind of shuns even the idea of, like, Instagram. Uh, that's even kind of seen as, as dated as uh, Facebook yeah, is. It's more of a little Facebook is now MySpace and, and Instagram is now Facebook and Twitter is now it's like it's kind of all shifting. It's all, mm -hmm. all about TikTok and Snapchat. They're all back on Snapchat uh, now, which I believe is also owned by Facebook. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, but but no, I thought they didn't sell. No, they're public. They, I, is it? OK, I, in public, I, I was think. under I was under the impression that they were bought, but I, I don't actually know. Uh, so by all means, I might be wrong on that one. I'm going to look I, it up. But they're all they're no. all on TikTok and Snapchat. They don't they don't really embrace Twitter as much. It's usually when someone young comes onto Twitter, uh, it's because their publicist or their business manager makes them do it. They tweet two or three times, and then whenever there's like a new movie or book or something coming out, they'll hop on and be active for a bit, and then they dip out again because again, it's it's all about uh, TikTok and 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 kind of more, at least. Twitter used to kind of give that facade of being accessible. It's not quite that way anymore. There's a lot of separation and there's a lot of like censorship and, you know, uh, there, there's a significant amount of that on TikTok as well, but uh, it's, it's just, it's different. That's, that's where the young kids are. So like, this is a bunch of 30 and 40 year olds griping at each other about how they're going to reach the youth when the youth aren't even really there sometimes, which I think is funny. Um, that's a, that's they're, they're they're definitely not watching the news. There's a there was a uh, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel uh, who who uh, went after a couple of guys who have about four million followers on YouTube. They had uh, Trump on. I think it was the Nelk Boy, something like that. They had Trump on their podcast, yeah. and then YouTube uh, took down their uh, their video. And Jimmy Kimmel in his you know uh, monologue for the opening of his show is like some small podcasters on YouTube. And I was like, these people get more cumulative views <laughs> on a very regular basis than your dumb show ever does. But again, there's this like there's a very uh, weird defiance of old legacy media heads and, and and figures who just simply refuse to believe that the the 
platforms that they're clinging to and the the media mediums that they're clinging to are are simply just not going to be what is is widely used and adopted. Well, I think future. Twitter is a really good example of that and the fact that they haven't had, they haven't adopted a real format yet. Almost every other social media has a way to scroll through videos from your favorite content creators, except for Twitter. If you go to Facebook, you can do it. It's linked to your Instagram, so you can see people posting on Instagram and share them. And then, of course, TikTok, mm -hmm. Snapchat. There's a lot of quick entertainment to that, and it keeps people on the app for a longer period of time. And the people who are in charge of Twitter just don't understand that practice. They don't understand that young people's attention span is shortened even more now than it was mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. For sure. I don't disagree that there's an attention span problem, but I think, you know, there is a general trend that Elle's pointing out, right? Which is that cohorts stick to their technology. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, you've got the, the people who grew up in college at Facebook will be on Facebook until they're 80. Um, and it, at some point, Facebook will be the geriatric platform. Right now, it's like the it, it middle kind of already platform. Is. And kind, yeah, it's like, okay. Right? And then, you know, and the same will happen to Twitter. And the same will happen to TikTok. Right? Like, I, I know that sounds weird, but in 10 or 20 years, it'll be like, oh, stupid 30-year-olds on TikTok. No one uses TikTok anymore. It's going to be whatever that, the thing is. Right? Well, that, TikTok is the new Vine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just interesting to see the way things shift. I think that a lot of valuation is being put on to Twitter uh, where, again, while it is an important avenue of communication, it's really not the only one out there. Uh, but the, there are so many people whose entire existence only exists on Twitter. And they're the ones who feel the most threatened by this because they have been able to carve out their little spot as a, as a, a big deal on twitter.com and they're really, really afraid that if people are allowed to, you know, uh, push back on them or, or, or give them any sort of criticism, uh, you know, that they might have to actually do some, you know, personal, go through some personal growth and self-reflection. And that would be entirely too much to ask of people. So, um, wait, wait, yeah, that's not allowed anymore. Those, those mean tweets. I mean, surely you saw Taylor Lorenz going on MSNBC that, girl who writes all sorts of hit pieces for Washington Post. She went on uh, MSNBC crying about how people were mean to her online and, and how yes, it's just yes. oh, so oh so hard to be a journalist. I was like, yeah, she's actively was... sought out. She's actually actively like sought to like ruin people uh, over nothing before. I just, I find it delightful. I feel I like if people aren't calling, I feel like if people right aren't stuff. calling me, I feel like if people aren't calling me names on a daily basis online, then like I'm, like I'm, I need to step it up. Yeah, I find your it content's hilarious. not targeting the right issues then. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the reasons Twitter is popular is, um, well, the reason that Twitter matters is precisely the demographic though. I mean, the, the demographic, so the people who are generally in control in a society are the, you know, when they get to the like, 40 to 60 age group, they're not, you know, they're, They've lived enough life. They have enough experience. They started getting into positions of power at that point, um, mm -hmm. but they're not so old that they're retired. Um, and so, you know, maybe it's maybe it's forty to seventy now, uh, as as people seem to be more active later. But there's that demographic is generally uh, in a position of power compared to other demographics in societies often because 
they're the they're that ripe age where they're leadership and they have influence. And that also happens to overlap with the 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 demographic of Twitter, right? So I think that's really? I think that's the issue. That's where they're talking to each other. I think another issue might be the pace that technology is moving in the current time. We uh technology is just moving a lot faster than it used to. You look at somebody who was born in the 60s, they still had similar stuff to the people who were born in the 70s and the 80s. Things were different, but it was still similar, not drastically different to where they couldn't understand or figure things out. But then you look today, iPhones compared to what was here just 10, 15 years ago is a drastic difference in technology. So are computers, so are so many other things. So I feel like maybe it's a more stark image now we're seeing where the the older generations technology older and more outdated than the current generations. Yeah. I mean, we definitely haven't, uh, I don't, it's hard, We're living through the equivalent of the industrial revolution, but it's, it's the, you know, internet revolution or whatever. And so you, you are seeing this kind of massive, massive change really quickly. And, and, you know, all right, well, um, Let's let's kick the. We didn't even talk about Ukraine. We can put that on the back burner. And if someone wants to talk about Ukraine, we can do it. But uh, L, I'm going to go back to Ukraine. You. I what? No, I never mind. Go ahead. What about Ukraine. Serbia? <laughs> take well, I'm going to ask L. What's the most important story that she thinks the mainstream media is misleading people on right now? Well, not necessarily. Well, it was certainly. Uh, misleading at the time, but one that kind of uh, has blown over, which I thought was just an incredible uh, display of uh, how it all falls apart so fast. Uh, Y'all might have heard of a woman. She's the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, right? And remember back in 2020, Mm -hmm. there was this whole big convoluted plot of of, of right-wing extremists to, to kidnap her and kill her or something right and it was it was yeah all it yeah. was all pushed on it was inspired by trump and and they were taking their marching orders from trump and it was again what could be worse than you know january 6th uh you know a, a fake uh, domestic terror plot and so that all kind of started to fall apart in court over the last week and i feel like that has just again there's so much other stuff going on there's the elon thing there's of course russia and ukraine is the ever ongoing uh nonsense there's now like you know uh bill gates is writing op-eds about how he wants to you know develop all sorts of new things there's a new there, there's so much going on in the world but i feel like that was not highlighted enough and so that's something that i've been kind of uh, like focusing on and, and and uh embracing a little bit was the kind of the false plot falling apart because our three letter agencies are really like they're getting i don't maybe maybe i they never were all that good at, at you know meddling in in uh domestic and international affairs but i feel like our three letters are just getting kind of sloppy and i'm just i'm not mad i'm just disappointed because that whole you, uh, that you want to not find out that they're that doing. whole. So- no, I, want- I think they no, just I'm got not. worse at lying I'm, I'm, to us. Uh, 
it's a it's a poor it's a poor attempt at sarcasm but i i think it's just really funny this is why they want to control social media so bad uh and why they want to control the, the you know uh, according to to quote max boot uh we need more content moderation uh not less in order to strengthen and bolster our democracy because these sort of plots start falling a, apart right before our very eyes and a lot of people were calling this uh back when the story broke god back in like 2020 uh, you know, people are saying like this reeks to high hell of of glowy fed nonsense. And of course, you were called a you know, the all the names, the conspiracy theorists, right winger, Trumpist, yada yada yada. But it's all falling apart. I mean, two men were acquitted. Two others are gonna they're uh, angling for a retrial, I believe. And it turns yeah. out that they like there were you know federal agents embedded within that group. Like remember the guy that was uh, I can't remember his name, but remember the guy who. Uh, sat outside D.C. with a bomb in his truck and was like, I'm here for you, Joe Biden. That just went away in like six hours or less. Oh, Do you remember yeah. That? Remember Why that? did that go away? Was he was he not there for Joe Biden or was he fed? I, so if I, I actually have the... I have the full uh, copy of that uh, video. I, I, I got it because it was getting wiped from all corners of the internet. Uh, if you go back and listen to that guy in particular, this is of course unrelated to the uh, Whitmer ki kidnapping plot, but he says that me he keeps repeating how he and a few others all have bombs in DC. And I'm like, okay, well, those are all the feds that he thinks that he's there with. And so it was just like one mentally ill man and like six other feds. He has like three, rac three raccoons in a trench coat pretending to be a, you know, a terrorist plot. Uh, like, but these things are, they're fall apart like as they're being you know established in the in the uh, you know the public eye and I, I find it uh hilarious and frustrating and aggravating and all sorts of things all at once i i've, I've stopped letting myself get just super angry about things anymore I, I find these things hilarious uh and the the whitmer thing falling apart i think is one that to uh, the very very long answer to a not terribly complicated question i, I think that's the one that i've been uh, enjoying the most and what i feel like hasn't been talked about enough not that it's not been talked about but it's just i haven't even heard about it down here in florida <laughs> what? No, you haven't at yeah all, at all at oh all. yeah like and and that's so, the power yeah. of it it might be the talk in the local community but it might not reach anywhere further because they're limiting it so it wasn't just that like one or two fbi agents were involved it was like Multiple. Large, like yes. it was like fifty percent like, of the people. It was, it was like, like a large. I think it was more than half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, entirely yes. too much. Like where we be yeah. funding our own crimes half the time, and it, it it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm I'm not sure if you two have ever seen the video of undercover police attempting to arrest other undercover police at a drug meet where they set up to sell one of the drugs. It's the most ridiculous. Oh, I have thing seen that on the internet. Yeah. It, it, where is my tax money going? Where is yeah. all of my tax to that? That's what it's going towards. Ridiculous things. But it brings up a point, um, in my, in my opinion, from a recent article I wrote. With social media, they can control narratives today that with so many cameras around, if they didn't have control over, would be disastrous for them. In 1964, the Gulf of Tonkin incident was absolutely faked by the Johnson administration. Audio logs that were released later showed that not only were they assisting the South Vietnamese Navy in attacking North Vietnamese locations, and the first attack was retaliatory fire for that event, 
but that the second attack didn't happen at all and that they fabricated it to both Congress and the press. Nobody knew about that until the audio logs came out over 40 years later. And by that point, nobody who was involved faced trial. Five million people died in the Vietnam conflict and nobody was held accountable for it. Nobody faced treason charges whatsoever. People, defense companies made a whole bunch of money off of it. And in today's time with all the cameras, that's not possible unless you control the media in which the cameras are posting to at all times. And social media is the most common place. You see videos out of war zones that come out regularly, and then the media has to respond to them. Being able to control that to begin with is so important to them. It gives them so much value. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. And there's plenty of examples in history of um the thing is, well, there's plenty of examples where later on we find out that the conspiracy theory is true or that the, the mainstream narrative at least was false. I mean, the, the most classic one that people bring up all the time is Walter Durante's reporting on the Hall of the Moor um, and his sh being a shill for Stalin uh, and getting a Pulitzer and having basically no one argue with him. Um, and if people did, they were dismissed. Uh, and now... I think it's a little bit more complex now because you can't stop information from getting out, but uh, you can control the narrative and you can try and say, oh, that's Russian propaganda or that's this or that's that or whatever. And if you control the platforms, you can still direct the narrative and you just have a few crazy people who see the truth. Um, let's Speaking about crazy people who see the truth, let's put this article up that L sent well, us. Well, these were oh. just a, a couple of different... Uh, just some more updates on it and, and some more details on it. That's that was the original uh, article that was from April 8th. I mean, this was only 10 days ago and I feel like so much time has passed between then and now. And so I guess this wasn't within the last week to cover your question, but then oh, uh, whatever, close enough. But I, ju I just feel like it hasn't been uh, revisited enough. Uh, and then the second one I sent to you, it gets into it a little bit more and, uh, and talks about how it was, um, an informant FBI informant had driven the men to the warehouse for the meeting and that uh, at least a dozen uh, informants had uh, infiltrated the Wolverine watchmen were like this. I mean, it's, it was, I mean, I'm not saying it was literally all feds, but the amount of this undercover sounds fed, boy. It, it, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. If you go down to the, where it says bomb plot, uh, I think a little bit below that, you'll see yep. uh, the, the kind of more details about this. Uh, On October 7th, 2020, one month before the presidential election, six men associated with the militia known as the Michigan Wolverines were arrested in the sting outside a warehouse in Michigan. Blah, blah, blah. An undercomfort FBI informant had driven the men to the warehouse, mm -hmm. tricking them into thinking they were going to make a down payment on explosives, picking up military gear, and then head to Buffalo Wild Wings for beer and chicken. <laughs> Who Why bought Buffalo this plan? If anyone ever invites you to Buffalo Wild Wings after fed. talking about how much you hate the government, it's clearly a fed because no one in their right mind goes to Buffalo Wild Wings. That has to be like some sort of like, I, 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 I don't that's know like a piece to the that's a piece of the puzzle. Especially I ate the there South. within the last like two to three years and it was actually awful. Well, I, I look, I mean, bad food this, aside. This I, uh, stream is sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Look, the sad thing Don't here is there. there are, in any population, there are going to be some crazy people or some people who are 
willing to do bad things, but without the resources and also without the social. So, so humans are social. So if you're the only one running around saying, maybe we should do blah, 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 and everyone around you is like, you're fucked up, man, then maybe that doesn't ever happen. You don't ever do anything. There is no domestic terrorism. There's not a problem. You're just a rambling person. But the FBI like surrounds you with yes men who are like, yeah, and do you want to know how to make a bomb? I bet you don't know how to do that. Want some more resources? You're 100% right. You totally should do this bad thing. And like they're creating domestic terrorism where it doesn't exist. Or mm-hmm. you have situations where domestic terrorist situations get reported to them and they just ignore it. Like um, the majority Stone Douglas High School shooting in 2018 that shooter was reported 17 times to local authorities and the local FBI. Nobody did anything. They let that shooting happen. And there are other instances where social media companies like Facebook recently, um, they were criticized because the Azov Brigade and other white right-wing neo-Nazi groups in Ukraine have been using Facebook to recruit people and have been posting attacks on Romanian people onto their Facebook Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials are claiming that the attacks never happened, but they're actively able to use social media in the local region to recruit more people to engage in this behavior. And it seems like the governments are encouraging it because it helps them in the chaos. Yeah. I said this previously, and I don't know if I've articulated it well, but I'm going to say it again just because I've been toying with this idea that in the past, in, in in like, pre-enlightenment era you basically had uh the biggest thug would win like the the uh the genghis khan wins or the big the king that's the most victorious and can defeat the 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 most land masses army that does the best job they win and they get to be in charge and they control everything but the war has changed that it's the same we're actually in the same situation even with a democracy but the the tools of the battle have changed, and it's not the person who can shoot the most people or control the biggest army, but it's the person who, or the or group of people who understand how to manipulate the mob the best. It's uh, I guess a good analogy would be um, sorcerers who can like use magic words to conjure mobs of pitchfork wielding angry people to do what are whatever they want to do their bidding. And if you if you have a deep understanding of human psychology and you can control the narrative on mass and you understand how to get an entire population to do something and believe a certain thing you're in charge um that's the that's the the power that you wield isn't an army or whatever it's it's a bunch of zombies who you can manipulate with propaganda um and i think elites know that i think the elites know that they do uh all they all they need to do is Polarize people to the point where they feel that if they do not stand in solidarity with the thing, the current thing, which is kind of the current, the, the meme, you know, going around right now, but I support the current thing that if they don't stand in solidarity in support of the current thing, then they are everything that they've ever hated. And, and it's a way to, identify who's on board and who's not. And a good example of this, actually, this is another thing. I talked about this on my show on Saturday night. A woman who uh, I think probably quite a few of y'all are familiar with, uh, who I first started writing about at the beginning of last year, uh, Liana Wynn, who is a, uh, she used to work for Planned Parenthood. She used to be the uh, health commissioner. 
uh, she was a health uh, of, of Boston. I don't, maybe it's a health commissioner, public health official of some sort in Boston uh, before that uh, worked for Planned Parenthood for a while. And now she is a, the medical uh, analyst and contributor at CNN. She has regular guest spots on CNN, MSNBC. She's the one who went on to Cuomo primetime on, I believe May 11th of 2021 and gave the whole, uh, you know, if people are vac- if people aren't vaccinated and things are opening up, then what's the carrot going to be? Uh, you you have to people are going to go out and enjoy freedoms anyways without getting vaccinated. And she tweeted out just a few days ago something. She is still very much the tyrant that she always has been. However, credit where credit is due, she does seem to be undergoing just just a smidgen, just a little smidgen of personal growth. Where she said that since Omicron. Uh, you know, the, the latest, well, it's not, not even the latest variant of, of COVID anymore, but the latest variant at the time, since Omicron, her uh, opinions on COVID have changed to the point where she says that if someone is fully vaccinated, they should be able to live their life and not have to worry about, you know, they should be able to make personal decisions for themselves. Obviously, that's, it's not nearly uh, a low bar, as Elle would say. It's a, it's a very low bar, but <laughs> it is very different from her saying, you know, you weren't you were never safe the vaccine doesn't make you safe we still need to like she she was 100% full on tyrant and has since changed her tune slightly but even that little bit of a change in her in her tune people are just just absolutely have no idea how to handle it because they have been had it browbeaten into them for the last 2 years that if you know they don't fully support medical tyranny and lockdowns and endless mandates and uh you know the encroachment on personal liberties and and banning from public places you know in support of you know protecting people against covid then they're evil and so right the the mental breakdown that people are undergoing just to see liana just against liana win has been fascinating to watch and you you see it all the time it's it's very it's very interesting just how demoralized people really are and and how they've put so much of their identity into things that aren't even really relevant to them that now that they're losing the thing that gave them an identity for the last two years uh it's it's quite jarring and for most people it's very uncomfortable so um i know some people recently uh their their employment stopped that the mask mandate within the employment and some of the people have absolutely not handled it well not they they haven't just not stopped masks like they they avoid people at times got to keep the six foot distance won't uh won't oh there's people that are still full-on like playing like pandemic who like haven't left their house in like two years which is just sad uh See, I'm in Florida, and, and that's so mind blowing to me. I mean, they they, they have the so they time. they created this monster though, right? So she, mm-hmm. Liana, it, it has has helped had had a hand in this, right? They created a a, mm-hmm. a monster of neurotic authoritarians, mm-hmm. um, and just like you know, just like any monster you create. I mean, you know, this happens when any leftist revolution, for example, govern me uh, harder, daddy. <laughs> well, but you're also the one that's up against the wall and shot first thing as soon as the revolution's over and like what's happening is she's like oh i kind of want out in this tiny little way i kind of want a a little bit of return to normalcy and the monster she created is like nope well greg greg over on 
on, on YouTube in the comments says, is it personal growth or a survival strategy when all of her authoritarianist uh, calls come back to her? And you're like, I think it's both to be quite honest. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's another thing that I've been noticing lately is anytime anybody who has for the last, uh, particularly within the last two and a half years or so, who has become an absolute monster, uh, expresses some, some sort of statement or, or thought that makes just a, a half of a lick of sense. People are like, oh, is Bill Maher becoming based? Is Trevor Noah finally starting nice. to get it? It's like, no, no. <laughs> they're they're alienating everyone. They realize how alienated they've like, and, and, and they need to, can, they need to try to appeal to,